You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone and welcome back to Page to Stage, a conversation with theater makers. We're your hosts. That's Brian. That's Mary. To put it simply, we're both theater nerds. So let's pull back the curtain and get a glimpse at the artist's process while creating their art. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome, Mel. Hi, guys. What's up? Thanks for coming today. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you on here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So Mel and I, uh, we didn't go to high school together, but we went to the same high school. We did indeed, yeah. Yes, and we're from the same town and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So that's how we know each other. And There's a lot of talent coming out of your area, man. It's Come on. Weird. There's something in the water over there. I don't know. We had Matt on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Matt. I feel like I saw him like a year ago or two years ago, a long time ago, but good, yeah. good dude. Yeah. <laughs> so you started out as a child actor. I started actually with commercials when I was like a little, little kid. I was like three years old when I signed with the manager that I am with today and work for today. Shirley Grant Management. Yeah, with Shirley Grant Management. Oh. So I met Shirley herself when I was like three because my great grandpa, my grandpa, not my great grandpa, uh, he knew like one of the old managers who used to work there. She doesn't work there anymore. And he knew her and he said, oh, my granddaughter, she's so cute. She never shuts up. You need to meet her. She's got to be on TV. So I went in for uh, like an audition and I didn't know what I was doing because I was three. <laughs> uh, I was like grumpy and not having it. But they were like, well, it's, it's Sonny's granddaughter. We'll send her out. We'll see what happens. And then I went in on like my first commercial audition and booked it and then kind of been doing it ever since. 
Because Shirley Grant is mainly a child actor. Yes. Management, yeah. Yeah, they started, uh, I'm going to get these years wrong, but like between 40 to 50 years ago uh, with like some heavy hitters in the beginning and stuff and they got uh, eventually led up to like, they rep Rudy from the Cosby Show and Christina Ricci in the 90s and stuff. They discovered the Jonas Brothers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also from New Jersey, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like Wyckoff or something, I think. I think they had a Willowbrook performance they many did. years Indeed, ago. Indeed, yes. <laughs> Fun fact: they were a Christian rock band before they, uh, yeah, before they became what they are today. That's true. <laughs> Big shift. So I have a question. So, yeah. working as an actor while in school, how did you? How are you balancing that? And I guess were you involved with theater in school at the same time? And how, how did that look for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, when I was young, it was like more commercials and things like that so like elementary school middle school it was not really more than like a couple days at a time so if I was missing school they would have a tutor on set or I would just get like get my homework and do it on set or after school or whatever and then in high school I joined the theater program uh which was an awesome program at our school and yeah they were they were really good about accommodating like if I had to leave for auditions or if uh you know, there was one year where I had to drop out of a show to do a movie, and they were like, whatever, like, have fun, good luck, that's great. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's, so that was like, when I shot the film, when I was 16, I was out for five weeks of school, and so they had like an on-set tutor, and we had to like bank a certain amount of hours every week. That was the movie you broke your foot? Yes, you broke I your did. Foot. <laughs> that's such an interesting casting uh, story. Yeah. Right, because the writers... Yeah, yeah. In the in the casting process, you broke your foot. The director, it was the, the movie's called The Winning Season. It was with Sam Rockwell. Um, it was like a down and out alcoholic basketball player, like ex basketball player who coach. It. He ends up coaching a girls team in a high school in Indiana who is terrible. It's like like just the bare minimum amount of girls for a varsity team, and he gets like saddled with them and like hates it. But then you know, like it's a happy go lucky thing. I totally he, remember seeing yeah. this back. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, I think it's on Netflix. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they, uh, so I got the audition in like the summer before whatever year of high school, you're like 16, uh, I think like junior year. Yeah. So the summer before junior year, I got the audition and I went in and it was fun, had a good time. Went away to skateboard camp. I went to Woodward Action Sports Camp for like five summers in a row. And this one year I was like, you know, I'm going to try to like push myself a little bit, see what else I could do. I was not a very good skateboarder. Um... So I tried to do a trick that I couldn't do, and I fell pretty hard, and I broke three bones in my foot, and I had to take an hour and a half long cab ride to the nearest hospital, because it's in the middle of like Amish country, Pennsylvania, with nothing oh. but cornfields around for miles. So I was just like, yeah. Uh, fast forward after that, I came home. <laughs> I'm like feeling your pain. I don't oh like my God, that. it was terrible. It was the worst. Because my mom wasn't, like my parents weren't around. I was a minor. The camp was not authorized to give me anything stronger than like Advil. So oh I was God. like laying there with like, and I, I was laying on the ground and I was like, I felt it break. I like heard something in my body, not to get too gross if I haven't already. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, something's broken. I just, can I say... Can I swear? Yeah, swear yeah. I just fucked myself really bad here. <laughs> and I was like, uh, all right. So I, I you know, I, I was very much like, please give me something that would not make me feel this anymore. And they were like, we can't give you anything until, we, we, until your mom is physically here, three hours away from New Jersey where we lived, to like sign off on it. So anyway, 
fast forward after that, I'm in a cast, and I find out I have to be in this cast for like a couple months because it was a really bad break, and I get a call from my manager, Shirley Grant, well, Dave at Shirley Grant, and he was like, you have a callback for the winning season tomorrow, and I said, great, because I have a broken foot and I have a cast on my foot, so do they still want to see me? <laughs> and it's a basketball movie. <laughs> it's a basketball movie. I was supposed to like, if it was booked, like a week after the callback, because I was the last one cast, I believe, of the, of the basketball team, uh, they were like you know, you'd have to come in to do basketball boot camp and, like, learn how to play. And I was like, slight hitch. I can't walk. So <laughs> I went in and did the callback anyway. They were like, sure, we'll see. Uh, the director, James Strauss, was in the room for the callback, and he's like, tell me the story of what happened. I told him. He thought it was hilarious. Um, and he's like, let's like just do the scenes. And we did the scenes and did some improv, and it, like, went really well. And then they called me back to, like, meet with him and go over some of the stuff in the script. And he was like that's when he told me he was like I want to put you in here but I don't know like we want to write around what happened to you and I was like sure that sounds great to me like he's like would you be willing to if like shooting continues on after you were supposed to get your cast off like could we keep the cast on you for the rest of filming and I was like yeah I'll keep I'll I'll have like a gimp leg for a little longer like whatever uh so then he offered me the role and I went in and I shot it and I didn't have to do basketball boot camp which was excellent because I'm a horrible basketball player being five feet tall <laughs> yeah, right. you know so but luckily it, it, it actually worked really well with the like plot of this like ragtag team of misfit varsity kids who like none of them in any competitive school would have been on a on a team it's just bad but <laughs> you know so true yeah it was fun <laughs> it was wild and so you didn't go to college right yeah yeah you're so right. what Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> okay. Your face. Um, so what did you do after high school? That's another good question. I jumped around a bit. I was always like, once I hit like the college application process time, uh, my guidance counselor in school was not the best. He was not great at like, he was like, you have to go to school. You have to do something. And he's like, probably don't do acting though. And I was like, well, okay, I don't. He gave me terrible advice. I was turned off on the whole thing of school, and I kind of felt like I just wanted to jump in to acting anyway. So that's kind of what I did. I figured I would just work at like a whatever day job I could find until um, I think the first day job I had was like the same the same job that I had through high school was working at a um, pediatrician's office where my mom works. I was filing paperwork and being very bored all day, uh, so it was really not fulfilling at all. And then I moved from there to. I actually think, I think after there, I interned at Shirley Grant for like six to nine months where they like, it was a paid internship and they kind of just called me and were like, we need an assistant. Do you want to try this out for a while? And I said, sure. So I did it. And then um, at the end of like the term that I had signed up for, they said, do you want to stay on or like, what what's your plan? And I kind of thought, well, I saved up some money. I would like to get back. Like at that point, I hadn't really done too much like professional acting and stuff like a couple like little theater things like community theater in Jersey and um I was like I think I want to try to direct and try to produce something like shoot something so I got together with a couple friends and we created a comedy web series called Unrelated a comedy web series (laughs) and um we yeah I took I kind of took like a summer off to like write produce edit that monster it was like a 12 or 13 episode web series was like, what was the inspiration behind starting that? Was there, you had with a bunch of friends, you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, my good buddy Nick Jesdan, who's a like film producer extraordinaire, he, um, also from our high school, he, uh, 
he and I were sitting around one day and was we came up with this idea and we were like, what if we just like make a website? We just like a little bit we were kind of bored. And the, then once the idea kind of grew, we were like, maybe this is something we could do and put some money into and like collect money from some, we got some backers through Kickstarter. Um, Nick ended up not working with the full run of the project. We had done it like one summer before we attempted and we kind of went in too blind and tried to jump in too quick. We was like writing it while we were shooting it, while we were editing it. And it was just way too much for like a three person team. Um, so I teamed up with some other folks and we like took the year while I was working and while I was interning and like took that time to like really write the whole series and everything. And then that following summer is when we came back and we were like, now we have the idea fleshed out and we have all the scripts and we have the <laughs> cast and we just, that yeah, we shot it. It kind of just came out of like a random idea at some point. Awesome. Have you done any other film directing since then? Directing, no. I did cinematography for a short a long short uh like a summer after that but I was also working in between and everything so but I would love to continue to do that I have I still have like my LLC hypocrite films yeah we you know we still exist but we haven't like produced anything in a minute <laughs> so how long have you officially been with Shirley as Grant? an employee as an employee I'm coming up on five years now in October is that including the little internship you did? Not including. So okay. there'd be like five and change in October okay. then. Because it was like a gap in between. Like after my internship, I went and did the web series. And then wow, I worked at like a... That's a long time. Yeah, yeah. it is. I, like it shocks me actually still. <laughs> so well, why did you decide to go from being the talent part of the talent management to being on the other side of the table? Like what what was that kind of motivation? Yeah, um, it was another situation where someone was kind of like, do you want to do this? And I said, sure. I've always kind of said yes to anything that seemed like sort of interesting. And I really wanted to, I thought it would be a really good opportunity after, especially after interning there, I thought it'd be a really good opportunity to kind of get um, my head around the like business side of it a bit more since I had grown up with it as a child. You don't see like any of the important stuff. You just like show up on set, like do your lines like eat some candy and go home. It's not like, it's not really, you don't really get the grasp of it where like you would through like maybe going to school and training and stuff. So I thought this would also be a good way to like learn the business side of things without like enrolling in like a traditional college or something. And how has your perspective changed being on the other side of it? It's really interesting because I feel like I get, a, I have a really good grasp now of like what's expected of performers and what's expected of like the casting process, I guess. Um, not that we're directly involved in casting, but like I feel like it's cool to see like a lot of the performers that come on to, to our company that are new, like maybe we have to kind of teach them a little bit. Like that's not how the process works. Like we'll have people. Because you do like, have younger clients. Totally. Yeah. So we probably have, more green. Exactly. We represent people now. It, it, traditionally, Shirley Grant was mostly kids, but now we represent anybody from age. Like we have babies to we have like, I think our oldest client is like in her 40s. Um, me personally, one of my clients, uh, D-Lo Srijaraha, he is, um, he's like, in his, like nearing 42. So yeah, so we have like, we have a big span of uh, ages now. But like, at any age, at any point, people are coming in either green or like very seasoned and stuff. So it's cool to, to be able to like, look at these folks who are coming in brand new to the business and maybe were their first representation, maybe they had been like, working through college or something but now this is like their first like stretch into the professional world it's kind of cool to be able to say like here's what you've learned before and here's like how that relates to what really is going to happen in in the actual room or like that kind of way and being an actor too it's cool to be able to 
coach them a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, like on a more specific level where like some of the other managers and agents maybe were never on the other side of the table. So the same kind of stuff that's going through your head is not like I feel like I have a unique perspective in that that I can kind of bridge that gap a bit. Yeah. So we had um, a few weeks ago, we had entertainment law person who works in that field on the podcast and we were talking to him about contracts and how they work with with agents and managers for the for the actors and such and I'm just curious if you know contracts and any of that was something that you were familiar with as as an actor is that something you came to the table with already or is that something that you really had to develop as a skill that's definitely not something I knew the like ins and outs of and I can't say that I know totally the ins and outs of it now still because I'm still like uh still learning every day sure but um, I feel like now I have a much better grasp than I did to begin with. Like, back in the day, my mom would sign all my contracts, obviously, when I was a minor. And then, you know, getting, like, once I turned 18, I started reading them over myself. But, you know, kind of just keeping, like, as long as everything looked standard and, like, I trusted my management to, like, have gone through everything ahead of time to know, like, that's what's good or not. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would say that I had a ton of experience with that ahead of time. But now I definitely do, and I've, I've actually negotiated a couple smaller contracts on my own, um, practicing up for the big shit. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so we talked a little bit about this before. Are you considered a manager or an assistant? Because on their website it says you're an assistant still. Yeah, that's so fun. Um, it's a weird gray area. <laughs> totally gray area, because I am like on paper the assistant, and I do assist both like... So we're a three-person team. It's me as the assistant, and then Stephanie Artuso, who does commercial and um, like print and voiceover animation and stuff like that. And then Dave McEwen, who does film, TV, theater, and like the legit side of things. So I assist both of them very heavily. Um, I work with them day to day on like just putting out appointments and everything, and you know sometimes with uh, with with uh, the commercial side of things, I on like the print side, I've been given some stuff where I can create the lists myself and push people myself and like that's all trusted to me so on paper I'm an assistant but I have clients that I'm like I guess they're like main liaison their main like contact point and is that your spectrum division that, that you created is. yeah that's the spectrum division that I created I think I created it like it was maybe a year and a half into my like legitimate term at Shirley Grant like once I realized I'm gonna do this for a little while and see what happens with it and can you explain to anybody who might not know what the spectrum division is absolutely is? <laughs> yes um, so we are the spectrum division specializes in transgender gender nonconforming and otherwise queer talent um, so we kind of make sure that we are focusing on finding these trans non-binary roles to put our clients into but also making sure that they're not pigeonholed to just those kind of roles so we're constantly searching for uh anything that has that sort of like signifier to it but also we love to create jobs for people that maybe wouldn't have been there before like if we see a breakdown come out and i see something and i say like oh like someone like my buddy Jack would be great for that let me put him in even though the role is like scripted he's a trans man it's like maybe it's scripted as like a cis boy or like it's a non-gendered like non-specified role but we want to get them in the room and have casting see like there's a person here that you might not have considered before because on paper you wanted like a 25 year old like like cis man who's straight but then we bring in like a assigned female at birth like trans person that comes in and kind of changes that script a little bit we've actually had some success in like changing like roles and pronouns and stuff in the script and everything for projects that our clients have booked that's yeah. awesome yeah. yeah like how receptive are people to these ideas because it's not always 
I'm assuming you're talking with casting at that point. Mm -hmm. So it's not always the people that can make the final decision on those kind of things. So how does that relationship work? Totally. Um, yeah, they, like casting doesn't get to make the final decision, but they are very influential a lot of the time. And even to the point where, so like, like I said, if we see a breakdown that's calling for one specific thing, we might call them up and say, hey, we have this client who we think would be great for the role. They fit the personality. They fit whatever sort of like style of humor or like what feeling you are looking for in this in this piece and we kind of open up a dialogue and we say like you know and we we don't disclose anything about anybody that they're not comfortable with and we always very much like talk everything out when we first meet a new spectrum client and make sure that everyone's comfortable and you know being respected and that we're respecting them and honoring their like pronouns and like preferred name and everything like that so um the question i might not have how receptive it. have people been to yes. it they, so you had some successes, which is amazing. Totally. And it's actually been very cool, too, because we've sort of developed a little bit of a, a reputation with certain casting directors, especially in the theater world, um, where they know that we have this list. And it's not a huge list because we are very selective, but we have this list of, like, super talented people that have, like, some of them have been working in the industry for, like, 20 years and everything. And some of them are brand new. Like, we just signed somebody who's, like, just out of college, like, never done anything professional before. And I feel like they've been overall very very receptive to changing their minds about things or at least like bringing somebody into the room even if they're not the one who's going to make the final decision you know they'll they'll bring in more people of different varying diversities and stuff to present to the creative team and everything so that you know down the line they could say you know we want this and we're going to change the script kind of thing what is your relationship with the casting director in the process of negotiating for a client or getting appointments and stuff like that um, me personally, with uh, especially with cer there's certain casting directors that like will call our office and say, "Hey, we're working on this like all trans production of Hamlet or something," and they'll say like, "Who do you got for me?" And then that way we could sit and break down each person we have that would be right and for which roles and why. And so yeah. you're only working with the Spectrum division; those are your only clients. You don't really make any appointments for any of the other clients. I don't push. For, I don't usually have the. Um, the uh, process of pushing for other clients like Spectrum is my my specialty but um, like overall like we have like Dave on the theatrical mm -hmm. side and Stephanie on the commercial side doing all the pushing for like all the non-Spectrum clients anybody who's like falls under like a cis het norm of, <laughs> of way of thinking yeah but yeah so um, but I have done a lot of that like pushing on my own for the Spectrum clients I had a question about maybe if you could explain the difference between an agent and a manager and the relationship because I've heard that kind of thrown out a lot with it <laughs> you know with these conversations and just in everyday normal life and yeah. I would just love your I guess perspective on what the difference is it's uh I mean for me I feel like it's very it is very similar um do you guys watch Bojack Horseman by any chance? No. I don't. Oh, it's really funny. You should, and I'm gonna push. Okay. I'm gonna push that. You should watch it. It's really funny. I don't have any affiliation with them or anything, but I just, I'm sponsored. just a huge, huge fan. Um, but there's like a whole running joke in that, like, so Bojack has his manager, Princess Carolyn, or his agent. She starts off as his agent, and then she becomes his manager through whatever, like five seasons of show. I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> um, but, but like, there's a whole running joke of everybody's always asking her, "What's the difference between an agent and a manager?" And she kind of doesn't really have an answer. For for that but I mean what I like to say is uh, a manager is more focused on the long term of a career um, not that an agent isn't always thinking ahead but agents typically have like lists and they'll put a they'll put a client on a contract and m a lot of the bigger agencies will say like all right if this person hasn't booked something within the two years of the contract we're gonna let them go 
Now, as a manager, we have some clients, and especially working with kids, we have some clients who we've had for, like, 10, 13 years and, like, only booked once or, like, very small, like, little, like, $100 podcasting jobs or something here and there. Like, not, not shitting on podcasts. I mean, like, those, like, People scripted... get paid to podcast? Yeah, I mean, oh. <laughs> some of those, like, scripted little, like, Highlights Magazine oh, has a kid's scripted. podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. interviews. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, don't worry. I'm uh, not going to send you an invoice or anything. Not even a little bit. I'm such a podcast listener. I'm, like, such a fan. But, I mean, like, there's, like, these... Or, like... Yeah, the narrative ones. Yeah. 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 Better example, like, like voiceover jobs for, like, a Nickelodeon bumper that might pay, like, 150 bucks for, like, two lines of dialogue or something. Or, like, a print shoot that's, like, a $50 or $100 thing. We don't really take into account saying, like, oh, like, this child or this adult has not booked in X amount of time, so we're going to let them go. We try to cultivate a career and build like we're more focused on building the relationship so even if they don't go in and book that job right then you know we're building a relationship where like the casting director will say like hey is like so and so available we have like a ton of clients who will just get called for like all these like readings and like stage readings and like short-term productions of shows just by word of mouth and just by knowing the relationship they have with other casting directors and with other productions and stuff like that and you've never had an agent yourself, right? You've only had management. Correct. So, but sometimes people will have both. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So you're probably working in, in connection with p- your client's agents. So Definitely. what is that relationship like? Definitely, yeah. We, I mean, we work super closely with, that's why I say it's such a similar job too, because we really work in tandem with, like if, if a client is signed specifically. You're the team. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah when exactly. someone says, that's my team. It's, <laughs> yeah, you might have an agent, manager, yeah. publicist, like there's a whole bunch of different like roles you could kind of add on there as you get like the bigger scope of things they're submitting on jobs but we're also submitting on jobs even if sometimes that means like they're being double submitted or like casting might have a better relationship with the manager and not quite know this one specific agent at an agency as well or vice versa like if an agent has a really good relationship with a casting director they might take the front reins of something versus like us stepping in and stuff but yeah we we like we like to work very closely with the agents so when is it appropriate i guess or necessary to have two to have both or when would you just have one? Is or is there a rule? Like, or is it kind of just fluid? It is. It's pretty fluid, honestly, okay. which might be an annoying answer for people <laughs> no, who no. are looking for like a concrete. <laughs> but it is like it's very case by case. Like we have some clients who have like me personally, my in the spectrum division, I have like a couple clients who have not booked a ton, but they have booked like high, like high velocity work, and they're signed to an agent. And, you know, in in that way, that uh, that's how that falls. But then there's also people who, like, have, bur- have booked a ton and have worked, like, for years and years, but only have management. And the same with, with some of my people that I know in the agent business. There's people who, like, have only had agents. So it's really, like, a personal preference. And we, when the kids are, when with kids, with Shirley Grant, we don't always sign kids right away to an agent unless we see there's like maybe some sort of like high demand or something or an agent comes to us and it says like we're looking for a kid who fits this spec like we don't have someone on our roster like that are you willing to or interested in like excuse me in uh, signing them and stuff so yeah like it's it's it really depends on uh case by case what what the actor wants and what we think is best at the time what's an ideal client to work with on your end from your perspective now that you've been on the other side of it that's tough. Um, someone who's always available. That's 
Um, half kidding. No. Um, I don't know. An ideal client is just somebody who's, for me, when I meet somebody, like, I like to have a personal connection with them, too. Like, doesn't mean we have to be best friends, but I like to be able to, like, talk to them, like, on a human level, not just on a business level. Be- especially with the Spectrum Division, it's so much about, like, personal identity and, like, nuances that come along with that and, like, navigating a very, uh, a world that's not always re- receptive to people of like varying varying like gender identities and sexualities and stuff like that which is hard to believe in this business because it's so like ingrained in everything but it's a business it and, is. and the audiences aren't always the ones that are the receptive exactly exactly and when you're working with something like maybe like a studio project or like a big like television show it's harder to convince people to like take it's not a gamble in reality but like they like from a business standpoint like the showrunners might feel like mm, that's a gamble this is a performer who's excellent and they have never worked professionally before and they are trans and we want to use them but we don't know that like somebody like recently this controversy with like Scarlett Johansson coming up with uh, I don't know if you heard about there was a movie that she was in talks to play a trans man named Tex for this movie Rub and Tug I didn't hear that oh yeah it was she was uh, she was like in talks to play uh, this like prominent in like queer history um, I do not remember his last name right now, but his name is yeah. Tex, and the movie is Rub and Tug. And they would like announce that she was going to play this character, and people were like up in arms, and for a good reason because she is a cis woman going to play a trans man who she honestly doesn't even look anything like the role. Not to say like actors can't like transform and stuff, but she's like like Tex looks more like someone like he's like a short guy. He's a little bit squat. He's very butch. <clears throat> Obviously, he's a man. Um, and I feel like a lot of uh, people got like people got very up in arms about that. So I forgot the question, and I just started rambling. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, it's all right. Um, so, what are some of the ways that you think that people higher up in the industry can be better at accommodating people in your spectrum division? Yeah, um, I just feel like it's it's uh, it would be nice if people would be more open to like taking the chance. And like, so if you're casting something where the entire cast is a cis hetero cast except for this one main character like Eddie Redmayne and the Danish girl or something mm. uh, which not to knock Eddie Redmayne but I mean like that's that's like I, and I didn't see the movie but the one I did love the movie and I um, loved yeah. the performance and that's where I think me as an audience member sometimes I'm torn yeah totally and I'm not to say there's not to say that it, it should be any one clear cut way I suppose um, and especially then that was that movie was being made and coming out at around a time like before this conversation really started happening. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel like at the time that was, you know, what it was, but now it's sort of more everybody seems to be not everybody, I'm generalizing, but people seem to be more aware of the need to like give trans people a chance to play these roles uh, before just defaulting to someone who you know is going to bring in a big box office because there's all these other roles in the movie. Like, you you can have the Danish girl played by a trans woman and the rest of the movie can be, like, like an Eddie Redmayne or, like, whoever, like a giant, like, Meryl Streep could play somebody. Like, whoever it is, you could bring in all these gigantic roles as not this main, like, one role for this one marginalized identity. I should mention, though, that in this movie it was pre- surgery and all of that yes. and that was the point of him struggling with actually eventually going for the surgery okay, sorry okay. I gave it away so no sorry. that's alright that's totally fine it's, um, it came out a while it ago. is a beautiful movie though now. yeah 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 no and I and I, I could totally see that side of it too it's but there is some there are there's just a, an abundance of trans talent who like maybe they don't have the credits that somebody like an Eddie Redmayne or a Scarlett Johansson would have 
but but they're not going to get credits if exactly. we're not giving opportunities exactly and that's the big thing and and also in terms of acting technique too right because you're not going to be a seasoned actor as much as Scarlett Johansson, right? right? Because yes. how many movies has Scarlett Johansson done? Exactly. And because she was given the opportunity to. So I feel like that's that's one thing that I'm trying to personally advocate for is to push. And I mean, I'm, I'm not anybody huge or something in the management business, even by a long stretch. But my goal down the line is to like kind of push people to take, give, take that chance and say... Maybe this person, I don't know that they're personally going to bring in a million fans or a million dollars, but I know that they, from experience and from a personal, deep-rooted emotional standpoint, can play this role and can play the crap out of it. And I want them to say, I'm going to do that, and then I can fill the rest of my cast with these, like, big moneymakers. So to kind of supplement that if you're worried about, like, the business side of things and everything. But yeah, I think, I think, the, I think the most important thing is, like, give people a chance to play something that they're going to be good at playing. You got to give them the chance to get the experience and build up that resume before, you know. Yeah. How does it logistically work for you being that you're still managed by Shirley Grant and working there? Mm. That's very fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very lucky because I don't I don't know that other actors who work in like an agent or management side of things get to do what I get to do, but like you get to see the breakdowns yeah you know i, I, I mean I, exactly. you could be like hey i saw this please right. push I me could, right yeah, exactly and there are times where like like for example dave will say like hey this is a uh play that's all queer people and they want people of all different sorts like they both dave and Stephanie know that i know the trans talent like on a personal level and you know like i'm gay so they will say like maybe like oh like do you want to handle this list and then I can they've explicitly told me I have the freedom to put myself in to whatever sort of like specific things like that that I want to if I'm handling the list like they're like don't be ashamed to like put yourself in and push for yourself and have you oh totally oh it's amazing yeah a million percent and how does that work though if you actually end up negotiating (laughs) <laughs> Usually to like keep the water a little right. less muddy, Dave will step yeah. in and okay, say like, good. hey, and only recently has he had me like even like answer the appointments myself to confirm myself because like just to like stop the questioning of like, what? what What's like, going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like who is she yeah. again? <laughs> but like uh, there's a few people, there's a few casting directors now like that I'll go in and see and like they'll be like, oh, like how is like your other clients doing and stuff like that and we can have this kind of like just a different level of a relationship than I think I had before I was working here and, you know, getting to see everything ahead of time and knowing kind of what's coming down the pipeline as much as any of us can. It's pretty nice. Like, I I put myself in the last movie I did, Adam, which uh, is out in theaters right now, yeah. but, uh, but probably by the time this has happened, it's going to be out of theaters, but maybe on streaming, I don't know. Um, but it was, it, that's a totally queer film. Like, pretty much everybody in the cast and crew was queer or trans or gender nonconforming or non-binary or what have you. Uh, And I got to do that breakdown, mostly. And I got to put in my clients, but also myself. And then I ended up, I ended up booking a role in the film. And yeah, it's totally awesome because it's a very weird experience to get to uh, do that for yourself and like get the role. Have you had the opportunity to work with any of your actual clients? Yes, actually in Adam, my my client Jack Bernhard, who's also like become a good buddy of mine, like he and I both auditioned for this and I had read the book a few years ago because it's based on a book by uh, Ariel Schrag and um, I read the book a few years ago and I was like, I feel like we could get this because of the tone of it, the comedy of it, the like weird like nuanced queerness of it I just felt like 
I got the call that I booked it, and then I got to call him and say, hey, guess what? You booked it, and we're going to be in this movie together. Aww. We didn't have any scenes together, but, like, we've been doing all the press and everything and all the, like, screenings and everything, hanging out together, and it's been weird and <laughs> That's awesome. That's so unique. Yeah. Actually, too, I knew one other person in that film, like, before I got there, and uh, my fiancé's uncle is an actor. Scott Zimmerman, he's great. Um, hire him. He uh, <laughs> he called me like maybe a week after I had started shooting. I worked three days in the film, and it was like a week after my first day. And he's like, "Hey, I just booked this role playing a dad in a scene in this movie City Summer. That was the working title at the time." And he's like, "Do you know anything about that?" And I said, "Dude, that's Adam. That's the movie I've been telling you about because he like we coach each other, like we do our tapes together and stuff." And I was like, that's the movie I've been telling you about for, like, weeks that I, like, auditioned for and stuff. And he's like, oh, I just booked Adam's dad. <laughs> so, like, like down the line. I chills. Yeah, it was crazy. It was so weird. Very Family strange. Affair. Literally. And then I got to set, like, the next day that I was on set, our director, Reese, came up to me and he's like, your uncle-in-law, like, worked the other day? And he says hello. And I was like, yeah, he told me to tell you hello, too. It was great. It was so weird. It was awesome. And, yeah, we both have, like, that's a good, so like, cool. laugh moment in the movie. Wow. Yeah. And you, but have you ever worked with your siblings because they were child actors too? <laughs> Surprisingly, not on a professional level, but I've like, whenever I was like yeah. making videos as a kid, I was throwing them into everything. South Pacific like, too, uh, right? Yeah, hell yeah. My, oh, Cassidy, that's right. I totally yeah. forgot. Sorry, Cass. I forgot Cassidy <laughs> was in South Pacific with, yeah, totally. Oh, and so then I guess in that capacity, in high school theater, my brother Steven was in Death of a Salesman. Right. And he was also, um, had a bit in The Producers, which I was in both of those too. Definitely the water. There's something definitely it's weird. in that water. It's really weird. <laughs> Steve, we all three also have been on Law & Order SVU at different points, but like not, it, like we haven't interacted with anything like on screen together. It's <laughs> so funny. Crazy. Yeah, it's really weird. So I had a question about your thoughts on the industry and, and what could they do to, I guess, provoke or encourage the conversation of inclusivity? Um, That's a great question too. Uh, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like theater is a lot farther along in that than film and TV. But, you know, film and TV are making strides. But Yeah, so. no, I was going to say, why do you think that is? Why Why is theater farther along on that? Yeah, I don't know. I, have, sure. I have a thought. Like, yeah. I mean, you can target your audience based on location with theater. Yeah. And I think that, especially in New York, it's very liberal and a lot mm-hmm. of idealized ways yeah (laughs) um whereas for tv and film i think you're hitting a larger audience and you can get a little more general about things and play it a little safer yeah totally and a lot of times with tv and film like you're almost forced to play it a little safer because of that like broader audience outreach like the more people who are seeing your stuff unfortunately on like the higher up level people are saying well a lot of people are going to be seeing this or we we hope a lot of people are going to be seeing this and we want to make it appeal to a broad audience so like somebody in middle america who might not be accepting of any lgbtqia type people uh might not want to watch something like like rise which had a trans character you know like things like that yeah i think i think that i think that's exactly the reason why theater is a lot farther ahead and I think also I've just I've just felt like a lot of theater stuff is more flexible like we've had to do less pushing more theater productions that I've found are like open and like excited about it like I've noted I know there's a lot of theater companies right now that are specifically gearing up trans projects and things like that like I know the public does like I had a client a a year or two ago in a production over there called masculinity max and it was like 
like I th- I'm pretty sure the whole cast was like queer trans in some sort of way like LGBTQIA and yeah it's I just feel like that that company specifically along with many others whose names I'm can't remember right now off the top of my head but are like really pushing for uh finding projects that are specific to trans people to like create these roles and also queering the script as like I like to say like taking something and saying well this is like a tradition like Oklahoma is something that's very traditional but what if like the meet the leads are trans or what if like we make it gay you know kind of something like doing productions that like queer the script and flip it and say fuck it let's see what it feels like this yeah, way Yeah, and mm-hmm. in terms of tv i mean immediately i think of pose right now yeah hell yeah and that's doing a fantastic oh, job it's amazing. of including people and it's in employing like yeah it's employing most of like the whole, yeah it feels everybody. like yeah <laughs> yeah and i think i feel like i might be incorrect on this fact but like the crew even is like uh oh. like they employ the most trans people on tv now i think transparent had that before but i think now pose employs the most trans and queer people like in a crew standpoint too that's amazing yeah it's excellent I, w- I almost hate to say this but i always think of like the actors in that in that instance of like making sure that the opportunities are there for for trans for trans people and also for anyone on in that community yeah. but i never think about the crew or the back like behind yeah. the scenes totally. and that's that those people are you know everyone is interested in all areas and, and beyond so we theater be, well yeah of yeah. course I mean, well no i was thinking yeah. specifically yeah. tv because i hardly ever think of tv because i hardly ever watch it <laughs> so it's always like an enigma to me yeah. but but it's so important to offer those job opportunities to everybody and not have it be one way or the other it's so. true and on a lot of sets that are led by like a cis hetero like team like from whatever level that may be like the director or you know producers and things like up until now it's not something that's on the forefront of people's mind to say like diversity inclusion like we're going to make sure that a certain percentage of our crew are people that are you know disenfranchised in some way but I feel like lately and hopefully like it continues to grow this way a lot of productions are saying oh well we want to make sure that there are like a certain amount of people who identify as something other than like the cishet norm uh, of like what you would see like they're going out of their way totally you you see that more often yeah like reaching out like like specifically I can only speak for the things that I've personally worked on but specifically with Adam I know that Reese and the producers all felt very very strongly that not only should any role in the film play that's specified as a certain identity be played by somebody who like closely can relate to that identity they also felt like to ensure a safest the safest possible space for something that like the movie's a little bit controversial and to ensure the safest possible space for everybody involved like as many possible people behind the scenes that are also like of a marginalized identity to make sure that like everybody kind of feels safe yeah, yeah. feels safe and is more receptive and sensitive to needs uh, like of yeah. of lgbtqia people that's yeah. amazing yeah it's awesome so I think we have a lot of actors that listen to this podcast. And so I'm interested to, I think that they would be interested to hear from your standpoint, what you at the office looks for in prospective clients and how that process works. Yeah. um, Well, it all starts usually with either we're referred people either by like a word of mouth, like they know somebody who's with us or they knew somebody who worked with us in the past and they reach out and say like, we're interested in representation we try not to bring in too many people of the same like typecast because we don't want to be spreading ourselves too thin and not be able to fully push ourselves into like each client. People you've career. already invested exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah. So if somebody submits to us and at that moment we have, you know, like if like if somebody submits to us and we have somebody who fits like mm, we have like three guys that kind of look similar or like have the same like 
comedy style or whatever it might be, we might say, we'll hold off on you for now and maybe, you know, just focus on the clients that we have. So from the submission process, we're really just looking for filling the gaps in our roster. And it's not like we're like trying to put a puzzle together or something, but we are going to look more closely at people who are submitting to us that like are like something different that we haven't seen before. Standing out. Yeah, something that we don't already represent because we don't want to, like I said, we don't want to bring on like two or three guys or two or three people that are the same type because there's there's only so many jobs out right. there and it's hard <laughs> enough to yeah. get our get the clients out there. So we want to make sure anybody we're bringing in, we're able to put 100% into them. Mm-hmm. So from there, just when you come in for the meeting and stuff, we just, we always want someone who we feel like we could vibe with who is open to hearing our feedback on things because you'd be surprised like a lot of green people might come in and like we would say like oh are you open to this that or the other thing or I I don't have an example in front of me but like we might say like well what is what are your goals in this and if they have an idea for themselves that's not quite what is realistic we might say you know it's not the right fit or something but um overall we we just want someone who's going to come in who's going to you know, have the talent who's going to vibe with us as people and just, you know, make sure that we work well together because at the end of the day, we're talking to these people yeah. every day and we want to make sure it's somebody who's going to be, you know, just as excited to work with us as we are to them. And, and you we hear want that to feel so, that. You hear that so often mm-hmm. too. People just want people that they can talk to. Yeah, yeah. totally. And spend time with. Exactly. And have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because it is so much back and forth. Like, yeah. Yeah. So what are your goals and where do you, I guess, where do you see yourself in your career either with Shirley Grant or beyond in the next like five years or so? Um, I would love to continue acting because that's always been my number one passion. That's what got me into like this whole other side of the business and everything. Um, so goals with that, I would, I would, I would just love to like keep doing what I'm doing and, you know, and with management, I'm like, I just want to keep growing the spectrum division in that I want to like make sure the clients that I have are happy and healthy and keeping their shit together and, you know, getting in front of the casting directors that either they haven't met before or that they have good relationships with and just kind of, I don't know, I guess I don't really have like a solid five-year plan or something. I'm, I'm a little bit of a floater. You're going to be getting <laughs> married soon. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, fun. <laughs> yeah. Congrats. That's happening in the, in the personal life. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm excited about that. We've been engaged for a minute, so it's sort of like... <laughs> Michelle's finishing grad school. She graduates in December, and then we're gonna figure it out from there. But yeah, yeah. And then I guess, what are, where do you hope the industry goes? You know, as we move forward. I mean, we've already started to see some. I would say the industry has already progressed in a lot of ways, but there's still so much room to grow. And so, where do, where would you love to see the industry go? Totally. TV, any of it. Theater. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like like you said, it's it's growing and is continuing to grow. And I love to see the excitement uh, to be educated. I really want that to continue. And I want more people other than just the same people who have been very receptive to, like, differences. I would love to start broadening horizons, like, outside of that little bubble, kind of. Outside of maybe, like, the New York theater world or what what have you. But, yeah, I would love to see more trans actors and more trans roles and queer roles and I just want I want everything to be queer and like I want yeah not not to say there's not not room for cis hetero people but I would you know you had your you had your turn (laughs) (laughs) let us step step up to the plate a little bit more (laughs) we always ask our guests as a final question what was the last great piece of theater that you saw 
Oh, I love that question. <laughs> um, I'm going to plug, it, I guess it's not really a plug because it's, it's over, but a client of mine, Ryland Taylor, a super talented trans guy, uh, he was in a play, uh, it, was a, it was part of a series of plays called Brain Food, and it was, um, I cannot remember what theater it was in. It was this really cool, it was like brunch theater company did it. And so they had like, you, you walked in and it was like set up, there was like a little stage set up and it was in this like really cool space in Brooklyn. They had like bleacher seating, but they also had like, they had like a breakfast buffet so you could get like French toast and like coffee and stuff while you're watching the show. But the whole that show- sounds like my dream, oh my honestly. God. It was awesome. I love I walked breakfast in. food. Yeah, yes, hell yeah. Was it in the morning? <laughs> Um, yeah, it was. Okay, cool. it was but great. you don't need it to have breakfast yeah, in no. the morning. All day. <laughs> no. They had like they had like wine and stuff too. They had like little cocktails and things. But it was like really, really cool. And before the show, there was like music happening. And it was very much like a mixer. Like people were talking to each other. Like it was just very different type of theater. And then when the actual show came on, like it was a, it was a whole mix of, I don't remember how many plays were featured, but there was like a certain number of plays. And they were all like little mini like vignettes. And each one had a different focus of a different aspect of mental health and struggle. So it was really cool. Like there was, they touched on like eating disorders and depression and anxiety. And I actually, so I went to see my client Rylan in in this production, and then I met a new client at the production, uh, Jake Murphy, who's also awesome. And uh, yeah, I, that was that was really great because they also had um they had on set uh, on site therapists. Even if you just like were curious about therapy and like had some struggle beforehand or like whatever. There were people in the back of the theater, like throughout the whole show and afterwards, they were licensed therapists there to sit and talk to you and kind of like work through whatever you were feeling or just to give you information on like starting a therapy journey of your own, like outside of the theater. So I thought all of those aspects together in like this one, like two hour, like theater, like immersion piece thing, it was so fucking cool. And I really enjoyed that. And I think, I think that's coming back around, but they haven't set the dates or anything like that yet. I know Rylan mentioned to me that he was reached out by the director and they said they're going to be bringing it back at, in some capacity, so. Now breakfast food sounds so good. I know, right? Like, I God. want, like, a French toast right now so bad. <laughs> like a big waffle. And we're recording this at, like, 8.30 at yeah. night. So. PM, yeah. Hey, but you can have it any time. Yeah. We're going to start our new podcast. Yes, I love it. Brunch. <laughs> That's it. Because I could brunch every day. Yes. yes, yes, uh, yes. Thanks so much, Mel, for coming. Yeah, thank you and guys for having me. doing this conversation. It was yes. so much fun. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Page to Stage. To keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Page to Stage Podcast. And if you're enjoying these conversations, we would really appreciate it if you could take a couple minutes to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time. That's Brian. That's Mary. We'll see you later. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.